Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Chan Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult. Be sure to visit primed.com slash podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME CE credit. Evelyn is here today because of her inability to feel rested most of the week. It's been going on for some time, and she wants to know if you can prescribe something to help. She has tried over-the-counter medicines and a few years ago was prescribed a sleep aid, and she would like some kind of pill to fix this. She's 81, lives on her own, and is very active. Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me this morning is Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the Tan Ching Fen Graduate School of Nursing at the UMass Chan Medical School. Hey, Jill. Hi, Frank. It's so nice to bring a, a case, especially a case like this during the time of COVID. Uh, poor Evelyn lives alone, is pretty active, and can't feel good. What's going on with loneliness and, and what might be going on with Evelyn? Yes, so the paper that's attached to this podcast talks about loneliness and first I'd like to just, you know, describe how they define it and they define it as the emotional distress resulting from a discrepancy between how somebody, you know, feels and then their actual desired level of social connection. And what has happened is they have identified loneliness as an associated risk factor with patients that have symptoms such as pain, insomnia that Evelyn is experiencing, we think, um, depression and anxiety. And so that is what's going on with loneliness in our, in our uh, taping today, is we're going to talk about that and what they found. Well, tell me a little bit about the paper. So the paper was, uh, loneliness was one part of a very large study that went on with three cohorts over time. And loneliness was a scale that was developed by UCLA. And it's basically a three item questionnaire. Now you could have a patient complete the questionnaire or you could incorporate these questions into your history and interview. And it's three questions and it asks, you know, the answers are hardly ever, um, some of the time, or often. And the hardly ever is scored at a point, and to the end, the last question often is a three. And then you basically add up these points. And the questions are, how often do you feel that you lack companionship? How often do you feel left out? And how often do you feel isolated from others? And the scoring goes, if you have a zero, so you've answered, you know, hardly ever to any of those questions, you get a zero, that's no loneliness. Anywhere from one to three points, mild to moderate loneliness, and anywhere from four to six or higher is high loneliness. And so that's how it's categorized. Okay, and this this paper did a nice job of, of trying to capture this information over a population. What were the outcomes? Well, they ended up with over 6,000 participants, and these participants had to be older than 65. And what their findings were, the, uh, the demographics of the final outcomes here were the average age, the mean age was 73. It was 54% women, 84% were non-Hispanic whites, 
and what they found was in their scoring 40% were low to moderately lonely and 7% were highly lonely and they found that loneliness was associated with self-reports of pain, insomnia, depression and anxiety and they also found a correlation with multimorbidity which they defined as two or more chronic conditions such as you know hypertension, heart disease and so on. And then they also found that in the high loneliness group that 22% were associated with you know increased NSAID use and 11% with anxiolytics and sedatives and 20% antidepressants and then they also found that over half of these people in the high loneliness group had were polypharmacy, which they defined as five or more medications. So that's pretty significant. If we just look at that 7% of high loneliness, there's a lot of, they already self-describe a fair amount of, of uh, symptoms, pain, anxiety, depression, insomnia. But that polypharmacy thing's very, very concerning. All right, so we, if we start screening patients for loneliness and we identify patients at high risk, what should we do? How do we screen? And what can we use to replace some of these dangerous medicines? Yes, so with our case for Evelyn, there's a lot of unanswered questions that we as providers can ask, right? We can ask about social connectedness and I think being aware of the losses in our patients' lives. And we know as we get older, things change, right? We lose partners. Some of our patients lose children, grandchildren. They might have some financial strain going on and some hardships. And this can really cause a lot of problems. So as providers, it's looking at our patient and looking at Evelyn. You know, what, what is she on for medications? Is there anything that we can change or reduce that might be contributing to this? And, you know, getting a little more history about, you know, the sleep issues. Is it anything that's diet related? Is she drinking, you know, six cups of coffee a day? Anything like that that's causing any disruptive in initiating or staying asleep. But I think we have to look at an idea of social prescribing, and they talked about this in the paper, and consider social interventions as appropriate and available in your community. Now, you already mentioned COVID, Frank, but I do know, you know, at the time of this taping that, you know, places are opening up. The other thoughts are, is there a way that we can use tech to help Evelyn and our patients? Are they people that can do online activities? Is there a class they can take at the library? Are they able to do FaceTime with their family and friends? And, you know, knowing what their day-to-day -day life is like, is there anything that could be added to it, a hobby or anything that they have of interest? And it can be really difficult in this population if they have had a loss and such a big change and haven't been able to re-engage in social activities. But getting people connected in any way that we can, I think, is, is the best way. And then again, as I've said about looking over medications, is Evelyn on anything that we can take away? And if we are going to prescribe for Evelyn, what can we add that has a low side effect profile and not have any drug-drug interactions in anything that she is already on? And lastly, Frank, I want to say that I think we need to know, um, has Evelyn been on anything in the past? Uh, to treat a possible depression or an anxiety, and did it work? And is it something that we can consider now? 
Nope. I, I think you're you're right on target, and especially your thoughts about, you know, withdrawing or, or changing meds and careful use of meds. We know the implications of things like benzodiazepines are increased risks of falls, um, delirium. We know that chronic NSAID use, GI bleeds, kidney disease. So we, we really do need to take a long look at what, what she might be taking. And I love your idea of social prescribing, especially in the time of COVID. It's reasonable. All right. Well, Evelyn's here today. What, what do you want to do for her? What do you want to recommend? I would like to recommend, you know, increasing her activity. She said she's very active. What's that mean? Is there anything that we could add to it? Besides screening her for the loneliness, we need to screen her for depression or anxiety and what's going on. And, you know, you could, there are several screening tools out there uh, that we could use, um, PHQ-2, PHQ-9, um, and, and many tools available to us to get to the root of that. And just looking over her profile, is there anything that we need to change for her? And then, you know, as a provider in the community, you really need to know your resources and how can we get get our patients engaged. And it might not just, just be this visit, Frank. We might have to have Evelyn back in two weeks or a month and, and report back and see what's happened. Or have one of our, you know, office people give a call, how you doing Evelyn, and checking in on her. The, the other thing, it might be, are there other resources that we could add in that have visits to the home? And so that's another thought. Nope, I think those are all, all great ideas. I, I've had a little bit of success referring some patients for cognitive behavioral therapy who have primarily insomnia, but for Evelyn, she, she needs to be connected. She needs, she's already active. So I think, I think review her med list, identify if she's lonely, and, and try to help her come up and you come up with options. Jill, this is, this is an important paper. Thank you so much for discussing it today. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. In your older adult population, consider screening for loneliness with a review of medications and assessment of their clinical status. Join us next time when we discuss a rarely considered tool to help our patients with asthma live better. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primed.com slash podcasts and see you next week.